0: Aaron Pennington here, and uh, have any of you ever seen, like, a musical and kind of thought about it, how silly it is that, like, (laughs) people are walking around talking, then all of a sudden, like, they burst out and singing, like, (laughs) like, Oklahoma, uh, Curly comes out, then all of a sudden, oh, what a beautiful morning, and you're like, who does that, who, who, actually is just walking or thinking or talking and in the middle of a sentence goes, uh, you know, oh, what a beautiful morning. You know, <laughs> who does that? Um, well, I have to admit, I, I do that. <laughs> I'm that person who's just standing around and all of a sudden wants to sing. I have to confess, sometimes I'm in prayer meeting and people are crying out to God and I just want to sing a song. I just want to start singing a praise song. But it's not just that. Particularly my granddaughter, who, um, you know, light in my life, anybody who's ever heard me say anything for any period of time in the last two years knows that I just love that baby so much. I love my daughter so much. I just get a little bit more time to uh, enjoy my granddaughter because I don't have to spend time, you know, in diapers and everything all the time. So, you know, I I adored my daughter. I actually sang with my daughter, too. We would sing to each other. And um, somehow I lost that. She kept it, and then I... I got really busy and I started like not singing as much. I thought it was silly and it's, I don't care if it's silly, but my granddaughter's brought the singing back out of me. Sometimes I'm just singing her. So I mean, just thinking about her, I'll be sitting in bed thinking about her like, I'm gonna see my baby tomorrow. You know, I'm just making these songs. And I really, she, I mean, she barely talks. She's not even two yet. And we'll be going next door. She always likes visiting my neighbor. When she comes to visit Gam Gam, she visits the neighbor, and she'll go, going to see Rita, going to see Eddie, go to see Rita. <laughs> and she just sings. it. And... So there is, like, a thing. Some people do actually. Some hear it. Some just sing it. And I could call out a few other people I know who will just burst out in song. For I'll say it. Kira Spencer, Jordan Spencer. He'll do that. But... Um, <laughs> Isn't it just funny? God God really does put a song in our heart. And sometimes we don't sing it with music and notes, but he does put a song in our heart. And really for for all occasions, uh, and that's really what the Psalms are about. Psalms are songs. If you look at them, a lot of times it says, to the tune of. So you don't, I don't think they were raps. I think not. there's nothing wrong with rapping, but I think they were actually songs. You know, so they sing to this tune and uh, we don't always see it, translated to English, but there would have been a rhythm in the natural, in the original language, in the original Hebrew to them. A rhythm, a rhythm. And then sometimes there's these like, I don't know if you've noticed at the beginning of the Psalms, there's like these directions. Sometimes it'll say this, this kind of song, and it's to the tune of this, and this is when it was written. And as with anything else, there's, in the Bible, in life, there's always a backstory. There's a backstory. So there's this word I saw at the top of one of the Psalms that made me a little curious the other day. So I looked into it a little bit. It's, it's called Miktam. I think I said that right? I don't know if there's any way to say it right, but Miktam. There are six Psalms that start with a MikTam and then it gives directions. It usually says to the chief musician or to the director of music. or But um, Psalm 16 just starts a MikTam of David. So I'm like, what on earth is a miktam? Why didn't they translate it? What does it mean? so I looked it up and the official answer is we don't know <laughs> it's one of those beautiful mysterious Hebrew words that we're not quite sure um, now there are a few theories because um, I want to know why did you sing this song you know why I'm singing a song about my granddaughter because my granddaughter's coming Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know why we sing songs of praise or at least I hope because we want to praise you know or because somebody else is playing it so we're singing along because we heard it a lot Hopefully, because we want to praise. Uh, but there are two theories that I had seen. Um, they sound good to me. I don't know if they're right or not right. Some people equate uh, Mick Tom with a Babylonian term Nakamu, which I'm sure I said wrong, it means a lid or a metal cover. So in singing, like basically, these particular songs are to ask for a cover or recognizing God as their cover that would be my thought that works for me i don't know if it's right or not but it's a theory and what it came to mean in um in hebrew history was um an epigram which is you know that brief introduction this is an introduction to who god is um i really like the idea that it's a cover based on these these six psalms uh because basically, what it's doing is it's calling God their cover. All of these psalms are calling God their cover. I want to briefly go through a couple of them because there's a reason for singing. You know, sometimes we talk about singing and worship because um, we—that's what we do. Because the music's good. Because we like the beat. You know, people feel like, oh, I can't sing. That's a bad. That's a bad guitar player. That's not what singing is about. Makes it easier sometimes when we have a good melody and a good worship leader, but we can do it anywhere for any reason and we don't even have to be in tune, you know? Uh, but in this case, this kind of worship, this kind of singing was powerful. There's power in our words. There's power in our words. I hope you know that. There's power in our words to call forth truth. Um, there can be power to cover up truth when we're speaking just horrible insults against each other when we're rehearsing pain that god's already covered that's bringing forth emotions that are already under the blood and we have we actually have the power to hurt we have the power to cover up truth we don't have the power to create or destroy it that's god's that's god's job but in these psalms basically these Michtoms, every single one is sort of calling forth truth of who god is of the power of god's might and so in a lot of areas of battle and struggle The answer was, I'm going to call forth the true Redeemer. I'm going to call forth who God is. And that's where the power is. We have Psalm 16. It doesn't say anything here other than it's a mictum of David. Um, I I do want to point out here, I don't know the answer to this, but um, there are theories that David actually wrote every Psalm that said Psalm of David. That's possible. There are theories that when you say of David or of this person, what it was really written um, sort of as a, there were ghost writers, you know, when people write books, they write with somebody who sort of listens to who they are and hears their voice and puts it out in words that they think represent them. So it may not have been David himself who wrote it. Definitely some of these Psalms were not written exactly in the time because I'm sure that if he's in the middle of battle, he's not saying, oh, let me stop and write a poem, you know, that's not, (laughs) it's more, this is what his heart was believing, this is an accurate representation of what was in David's heart, maybe even things he said while he was in the battle, but it probably wasn't, I wrote, I wrote down, sat down and penned a phrase in the middle of trying not to get killed, you know, so we have this Psalm 16, Um, it doesn't really give a background of where it is, Um, but what it does is it sort of establishes, God, you're the source of all good things, and then, Psalm 16.1, apart from you, I have no good things. So that's that's not really even my paraphrase. God is the source of all good things. It talks of him being the provider, the refuge, the protector, the counselor, and the companion. Um, That's something that's really hard to remember. Now, it talks about this. He talks about people who go after the wrong things. He talks about... um, He's going through some hard times during this. You could you see this. Um You've signed you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You've made my lot secure. He's saying this because there are people that are. Why would you say you've made my lot secure if it's not doesn't seem like it's in danger, you know? Why would you have to say I can trust you in hard times if you haven't or are not going to or are not in the middle of hard times? This is somebody who knows hard times, but he's saying, listen. When other voices of the world are telling me you're in danger, um, you're at risk, you're going to fall, people after your life, my strength, it's not just that I want to say this, I have to say this, my strength is you. I'm going to keep lifting this up and there's power in saying that in the good times and sometimes even more power in saying it when you don't feel like it in the bad times. um, We certainly want to say it all the time, that's what's... That's what's so important about it. So, that's the only like, standalone Micton. But then there are five other uh, chapters altogether. Let me switch to them. I wanted to actually read real Bible today, um, right from the scripture. Um, now, this is the NIV, but it's an older version of NIV. So, if you have a newer version of New International Version, um, there's, I think, five or six of them now. It, it'll be similar, but not exactly the same. So, Psalm 56, also called a Micton, you know, this um, evasive sounding word. There's a specific background to this. This was a mictum that was written in for regarding when the Philistines had seized David at Gath. So his hands are, again, he probably didn't say, unhand me, I have to write a song. This is probably in reference to, uh, in reflection of what this happens. And in Psalm 56, in face of, now listen to the battle, listen to the song of battle that's happening here in the face of being seized by powerful enemies, in the face of not really having control, because seized means you can't really move. You're not even, you can't set yourself free. That Someone seized, <laughs> that is lack of control. And what he says in response to that, Psalm 56, 3, is, when I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Wow. When you feel out of control, yeah, I'm out of control, but nobody else can control me either. So I'm going to, I'm not going to try to seize a false sense of security and control, which I struggle with sometimes. What I'm going to do is say, God, you're in control. So I may not be able to move my body, but you can move mountains, God. You can move earths and worlds and wind. Nobody else can Control the wind, so I'm going to put my faith in that and not just try to struggle in a way that I can't get out. Um, I'm going to cease striving and trust in God. Psalm 57 was written when David fled to a cave, Uh, probably the cave of Adullam, that's the one that was mentioned, because Saul is sending people against him, and he absolutely he fled. And he has this, even though he had been like the commander of the army, he has this whole army against him. He has, you know, his name is being smeared. He can't necessarily do anything to make his name better because if he goes up in public and stands out, then he's going to be, you know, seized again, this time by his own army. So this is, this one hits a little closer. This is his father figure, you know. This is someone who was supposed to trust him. This is someone whose daughter he married. And he sends not only him, but the force of his whole army against him. And there's nowhere to hide That's why he has to go to a cave. And so what does David say in the face of this lie? There's nowhere to hide. Um, He says, uh, Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy on me. For in you my soul takes refuge. When there's no one else to trust, when there's no way to escape man's grasp, in Psalm 56 against the Philistines, David says, what can mortal more, more do to me? What can mortal man do to me? I can talk to this. And then in 57, when there's nowhere to run and hide, God said, David says, "And you, my soul takes refuge." Then in Psalm 58, it doesn't give a background, uh, but it's talking about the injustice of rulers. It's talking about injustice that happens. Through him, an injustice that is done against him. Again, something he can't control. This is a mighty warrior, but he can't control. People are speaking out against him. It doesn't say what it is, maybe because it doesn't matter what it is. People are speaking out against him, and his answer to this is Psalm 58, verse 10. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged. Now, he's talking about war, too. He says some pretty crazy stuff in here (laughs) break the teeth of the wicked you know and i don't know i i'm not asking god to punch my enemy in the eye uh that's very that's under christ's blood that it's christ's job to avenge but what it does bring here is the fact that even when injustice happens to us we don't always have often don't have power over it but who has the power god god will avenge us can avenge us uh god says vengeance is mine Let God keep the vengeance. I'll tell you what, this is a real foundation for forgiveness for us because forgiveness does not mean you are right. Forgiveness does not mean you deserve for me to let this go um, or for it to be let go. What it says is, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. It's God's choice. What it's saying is, what it may say, I'm coming back to this relationship. You know what? Because what you did, it's over. So I'm going to release you from the debt and we're going to start building trust again. Um, It may mean, I'm not going back into this relationship. You did something, you crossed a line and you keep crossing a line and I can't let you keep doing this. So whether it redefined your relationship where you say, okay, I'm going to love you but I'm going to build this boundary, a healthy boundary that you can't go by. It may mean somebody did something horrible to you and your family and you never have to see him again. You never need to see him again but you're not going to keep an unhealthy relationship with them by rehearsing everything they did wrong with you. And this is, when it says, the righteous will be glad when they are avenged, there's a hope here that says, I don't have to try to pay him back. I don't even have to try to defend myself. I don't. It's not worth it. Um, again, I have the, I don't have this control of what God does. Psalm 59, here's an interesting one. Um, it's when David's in his house. This is how I know. He probably wasn't saying, I have to flee for my life. Let me stop and write a song. This is talking about, you know, the attitude of the heart as in regards to david fleeing from his house because saul sent people to seize david and he knew saul was after him so he was able to escape with the help of his wife saul's daughter um and in response verse one he's right in the hands of his enemies he's right in the hands of his enemies they're about to grasp him they're at his house And he says, deliver me from my enemies, O God. Protect me from those who who rise up against me. So again, he knows I have no power to get out of Saul's grasp. So I have to trust God because God has the power. God has the power. And finally, Psalm 60. um, And this is talking about him fighting against Aram. Now, Aram was a very mighty warrior, a mighty nation. That just kept coming up against Israel against Israel against Israel when the kingdom divided right now the kingdoms together northern southern kingdoms are all Israel but when it divided in Israel pretty much rebelled against Judah um, for good reason but then they rebelled against God which is always bad Aram just kept coming back in kept coming back in kept coming back in then Aram became part of a bigger nation Assyria which eventually destroyed Israel Um, not because Aram was good but because they kept forsaking God so they were forsaking their protection and their cover Well, at this point, David's going back and back and back and back against cover and he's saying, and these this enemy keeps coming back against him. Even in David's time, they keep coming and keep coming. David was able to subdue him eventually, but he's calling out for help to God again because he's like, we can't fight this enemy. We can't beat this enemy. Um yesterday I was talking about going against Aram again later on, a very evil king, that God gave victory just because God is good, so that they would know God is God, you know, gave victory over hundred over hundred thousand troops, probably hundreds of thousands of troops, with seven thousand troops. In this case, um it specifically says here uh one of David's big generals, Joab, struck down twelve thousand Edomites. Joab struck down twelve thousand Edomites. So here's this unbeatable enemy, unbeatable, keeps coming, ended up being, you know, part of the Assyrian Empire. And David says in verse 60, 12, with God we will gain the victory and we will trample down our enemies. Not just we're going to win, but the enemy will be destroyed. Um, and you know, as, as Christians nowadays, we know our battle is not against flesh and blood. We're not talking about traveling down a person. But that enemy of our souls, he not only will lose, he is already lost. So even in these times, David was saying these prayers, and he was a great physical warrior. He was a great soldier. And he did do more than any other king, not only to lift up the name of God. There were a couple kings that did that. But militarily, between him and Joshua, um who was after Moses, they're the ones that secured this great land, really an empire. Uh, David even, that land that the Israelites lived in as slaves, he ended up grabbing that land, um, Goshen, and it became part of, it took it from the Egyptians. It became part of Israel. And he did all of this. And I think, in these Mictoms, whatever they're called, whatever they mean, whether they're coverings or an a word or a nonsense word or whatever, what it did was, gave you a real secret victory into the heart of David, and it's not really that much a secret. It's that when we're against enemies that are stronger than us, which is all the time, then the key is to trust God. When we feel worthless, the key is to say, my worth is in God. When we feel defeated, the key is to say, God is my victory. When we feel enslaved the key is to say God is my deliverance. When we feel like we have nothing the key like verse 16 is to say God is my everything. And I love I want to end with you know verse 16 where this starts is Psalm 16:1 where it says I said to you I said to the Lord you're my Lord apart from you I have no good thing. And then that last Mictum ends verse sixty twelve with with God we will gain the victory and he will trample down our enemies God is the source of everything from the beginning from the beginning and God is the cause of all victory even up through the ultimate victory that's something we're singing about don't you think Oh, Lord, I just want to sing right now. Great are you, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. Pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you only. Oh, Lord, I don't do that very often, just singing solo, but you... Give us so many reasons to sing, God. You're our goodness, you're our victory, you're our strength, you're our refuge, you're our provider, you're our counselor, you're our friend, and you never, never leave us, Lord. And we just want to lift you up today, God. And even as we lift you up and even as we praise you, we ask you to give us that song. Give us the courage to sing it because there's so much strength in words. There's so much strength in the song you put in our heart, Lord. And to those who would cry defeat today, those forces, we say God is our victory and strength. Um, And Lord, I just claim your victory on behalf of those watching this. To those who don't know you, we just say God is the victory. Take it, take it, take it. To those who do, Lord, Lord, I just speak words of healing and victory and truth over them that they may see you and feel your victory and sense your presence and discover your word and speak it and sing it, God, today in a way that just evokes and stirs your spirit in ways that they've never seen before, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and praise your name. Amen. Be blessed, my friends. Go claim God's victory today.